in a breaking news update that has shocked the core of America. An investigation is being launched into Donald Trump over his response to the coronavirus pandemic. In a statement to the Washington Post, Adam Schiff says that he's already begun the initial fact finding and now has launched a bill to create a coronavirus commission to review the president's actions. People across this country were shaken to their cores. No, not really. We're all kind of bored because it's the only thing they've been doing for the past several years. And for some reason, they think they can keep doing the same thing over and over again. And it's somehow going to help them win. You see, it's not just about Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi trying to do investigations for the past several years. We've got stories now that apparently Donald Trump launched an ad that was racist. So they're going for the bigotry angle again. We're also hearing that the Democrats must embrace progressive policies and progressive values, which lost in the 2018 midterm, and everyone knows it. Yet for some reason, they keep doing the same things over and over again. And I'm, I'll tell you what's really shocking to me. You know, to be fair, I was joking in the beginning where I said the American people were shocked that Schiff would do this. No, they're not. They expect him to do this. But what is shocking to me, yes, it's that he's doing it because he hasn't learned anything. You'd think after the first couple of years, they'd stop and start talking about real issues. And I thought to myself, maybe I'm just biased. Why don't I actually seek out what their plan is pertaining to the economy and American health care and schools? And guess what? Nothing. They're talking about Trump. Everything is a reaction to Trump. They are offering nothing to the American people. And still, when I point this out, you know, people say to me on Twitter, well, you just like Trump because of this, that and this. I'm not even talking about that guy. I'm talking about the Democrats constantly failing, doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result, which, as some on the Internet claim, is the definition of insanity. Now, it's an old cliche. They claim it came from Albert Einstein. As far as I can tell, it didn't. But it's the general idea that you are insane if you keep doing the same things even though you are failing, thinking something different will occur. And that's where we're at today. I have a series of stories for you. And and it looks like the media and the Democrats do not live in objective reality. Because look, if they change their strategy, I might believe they're trying something, but they're ignoring everything that's actually happened. And now the, the media actually wants to control the narrative to make Trump look bad as per usual. Maybe that strategy will actually play out well for them. But if for the time being, the Democrats are trapped in the fake news world where they believe what the media is saying, it's going to hurt their chances. First, let's take a look at what's going on with Schiff's new bill to once again investigate the president. Because you, did you know he's still investigating? There's a bunch of other investigations in the president that are still open. Like even after Trump, the failed impeachment, the trial, they announced that Schiff had currently been investigating Trump's business ties. The dude is, is literally a do-nothing Democrat. I know it's, it's like a Republican name they call the Democrats, but let's be honest. This is what they're, they're doing right now? People are dying. Okay, we need medical supplies. Gavin Newsom took a stand and said, we're going to source the supplies ourselves," creating a rift and the progressive activists were cheering, saying, you get him, you go after Trump. And hey, at least I can give him credit for that. He's actually saying, I'm going to deal with this problem on my own. What is Schiff doing over in California? Let's investigate the president, seemingly the only thing he knows how to do. And we're going to read this. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are several ways you can help. But the best thing you can do is just share this video. It really helps the channel grow at a time when YouTube is propping up the mainstream media and striking down independent commentary. So I need all the help I can get. But if you do like this, make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell and hit that like button because it really does help. From the Hill, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff 
on Friday introduced legislation that would establish a commission to review the U.S. response to the coronavirus pandemic. Schiff said after Pearl Harbor, September 11th and other momentous events in American history, independent bipartisan commissions have been established to provide a complete accounting of what happened, what we did right and did wrong, and what we can do to better protect the country in the future. It is clear that a comprehensive and authoritative review will be required, not as a political exercise to cast blame, but to learn from our mistakes to prevent history from tragically repeating itself. Under the bill introduced by Schiff, who led the House impeachment process against Trump, the commission would be comprised of 10 members with equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats. Current government officials would not be eligible to serve on the commission. Meanwhile, I'm sorry, members would be appointed by the president and congressional leaders of both parties in the House and Senate. The commission would be ordered to make a full and complete assessment and accounting of the preparedness of the federal government, state governments, local governments, and the private sector for the outbreak and spread of COVID-19 in the United States. So on the surface, it really does seem like a good idea. Well, it sounds like they're going to do a complete review. The president's going to be involved. Republicans will be involved. But in a statement to the Washington Post and an op-ed about Trump's handling of this, it was absolutely framed as an investigation of the president. Now, maybe it's not entirely fair to say that's entirely the purpose of it, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I trust Adam Schiff. It's the only thing he's known how how to do. And Nancy Pelosi has said something similar. We have this write-up from Human Events. Pelosi and Schiff want to politicize coronavirus with a select committee. The Democrats paralyzed the country with impeachment. Now they want to blame President Trump for the pandemic. So we can see that partisanship plays a serious role in why they're doing what they're doing. And I think it's very important for Adam Schiff to play it off like he's not trying to investigate the president, even though he said initial fact finding was underway, specifically referring to the president's actions. Partisanship is dragging us down especially in a crisis, it's the last thing we need. But more importantly, this plays into the bigger point I'm trying to make. And I'm going to show you the evidence that the Democrats can't seem to figure out how to win. If you can't recognize your faults, you cannot win. Now, over here at statnews.com, Democrats scramble to turn, 2020, turn the 2020 election into a referendum on Trump's coronavirus response. This is another reason why I think that this is all just, you know, look, I think Adam Schiff, I'll give him a tiny grain of uh, a benefit of a benefit of the doubt that he actually wants to assess everything, the state level, figure out what went wrong. I don't understand what the point of that would be, though. I mean, I, I get the general idea about doing this grand assessment, but it's really about uh, you know politicizing all of this, and it's what they've been doing. They are trying to use this to win 2020. Why? They don't learn. They've tried investigations before. They seriously just don't learn. In a story from Newsmax titled. Where have Democrats media been the last two plus months? This article makes a really good point about how they frame the news to make it seem negative all the time. We just saw a story that claimed Trump owned a financial stake in the manufacturer of a drug that he had been touting. As it turns out, it was between like $99 and maybe like $1,500. And it was indirectly owned through a mutual fund. The story was complete nonsense. This story gives us a breakdown and explains some of it. And then I, I do want to move on to how they're desperately trying to plead with progressives, even though Americans do not want this. First, let's read the Newsmax story. Michael Dorstowitz uh, writes, people who listen only to those of like minds tend to miss a lot. That was demonstrated Tuesday by a New York Times journalist, a U.S. senator and a political activist, all of whom claim to be politically astute. 
Late Monday and early Tuesday, a memo prepared by the Trump trade advisor, Peter Navarro, came to light, warning the administration that the coronavirus could explode into a pandemic, killing millions of Americans and giving a $5.7 trillion hit to the U.S. economy. Quote, the lack of immune protection or an existing cure or vaccine would leave Americans defenseless in the case of a full-blown coronavirus outbreak on U.S. soil, Navarro's memo said. This lack of protection elevates the risk of coronavirus evolving into a full-blown pandemic, imperiling the lives of millions of Americans. The memo, dated January 29, was addressed to the National Security Council. Republicans and conservatives thought the story was interesting and that it confirmed what they'd already known from the start, that the Trump administration was on top of the situation from the beginning. Liberals read something sinister in the memo. Mind you, it was on that date Trump formed the task force. It would seem he was informed. He took action. Two days later, he banned travel from China. New York Times White House correspondent Maggie Haberman, who wrote the story for her own paper, tweeted, Scoop, White House trade advisor Peter Navarro wrote, wrote a late January memo warning of a possible pandemic that would cause financial and human catastrophe. Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii, a Hawaii Democrat, referenced the story and went into full caps lock overload. They all knew and they didn't tell you, he tweeted. Please drop the caps, please. Actress and hard left activist Alyssa Milano tweeted January effing 29th, as though the date was proof President Trump had committed high crimes and misdemeanors. However, on January 23rd, six days before the Navarro memo, the U.S. State Department had already ordered the departure of all non-emergency U.S. personnel and their family members from Wuhan, China. If they missed the news, it's because they were watching Rep. Adam Schiff on that same day make his closing arguments at the Senate impeachment trial of the president. On January 27th, two days before the memo, Vice President Mike Pence told reporters that we're already conducting screening at 20 American airports And they're the airports that receive 90% of all passengers from China. Any passengers who are ill will receive additional screening. It's understandable if Haberman, Schatz, and Milano missed the Pence presser. On that same day, Senator Chuck Schumer was holding his own press conference about the Senate impeachment trial, claiming that we are all all staring at the White House cover-up in the face. That's what they were focused on. I know I've mentioned it before, but here we go again. Schiff and Pelosi with their committees, their reviews, their fact finding, their investigations. It failed then. It distracted us then. It made the problem worse. But they're diving headfirst into the same thing all over again. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely impressed by their ability to do this. The story, this opinion piece concludes the emoluments clause didn't work, nor did the 25th Amendment. Russian collusion turned out to be a big fat nothing burger. The Mueller investigation was a $32 million dud. Ukraine initially showed promise, but also fizzled out in the end. Last week, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced the formation of a secret committee with subpoena power to audit the Trump administration's response to the pandemic. It's her own party that needs scrutinizing. The Trump administration is doing fine. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Trump is perfect. Absolutely not. Quite far from it. But what are the Democrats doing? If they want to win, they have to offer up something to the American people. Here's what we will do. The only thing they're trying to capitalize on is orange man bad. That's it. Trump is bad. We don't like him. That's all we have to campaign on. Why don't you offer me something? At least Andrew Yang said, I'll give you cash. That made sense to a lot of people. Instead, they're offering up Joe Biden, a man who doesn't know where he is, has no real plan for what he's going to be doing and can't talk. Check this out. Progressive youth group issues, uh, progressive, progressive youth groups issue demands for Biden ahead of general election. Ah, yes progressive demands, because that's what works. 
Because in 2018, progressives did so well, right? No, that's completely insane. Now they're trying this. Democrats say Trump campaign ad singles out lock over race. Oh, yes, bigotry. Because apparently calling Trump racist is what got him, is what defeated him last time. Oh, it it didn't. You're going to try this again? They try the same thing over and over again. None of it works. So we can see that they have no plan. But it's not just about having no plan. It's about not even thinking about what's what's happening in the immediate, right? I often talk about how they don't think ahead. Hey, if I do this, what comes next? They don't even think about what happened yesterday. It's not so much about planning ahead. It's about remembering what you just did. It's almost like they forgot that the impeachment inquiries and all these investigations don't work and people don't care for it. It's almost like they forgot that the ratings for these scandal television hours on Fox News and CNN the ratings were going down because the American people are tired of it. And they don't care. But of course, here's what you get from the Atlantic. When will moderates learn their lesson? If centrists can't move past their doctrine and recognize when their candidates are unelectable, then how will Democrats ever beat Trump? Now, this is interesting. They seem to conflate Joe Biden with the moderate Democrats who actually won in 2018. Joe Biden's not going to win because the dude's not all with it. I mean, just look, go, go watch the Joe Rogan episode with Eric Weinstein. He talks about it. We don't know where Joe, uh, where, where Joe Biden, not Rogan, where Joe Biden is going to be in a year. The dude is clearly sundowning. He's speaking in word salad. The things he says don't make sense. He said recently, we don't let America sakes second fiddle. I, I'm not, I'm, that's actually what he said. I don't know what that means. Sakes second fiddle. Do you mean take second fiddle? It's a weird mistake to make, but it's as many people point out, the dude can't speak. Now, I'm not going to go so far as say the guy's got dementia, but some people have said they absolutely believe it to be the case. I certainly think he's getting on in his years and losing the ability to function. Why they would then put this guy up or, or claim that he represents moderate Democrats is completely absurd to me. Take a look at this story from November 2018 from Vox. Progressive Democrats running in competitive House districts had a bad night on Tuesday. Progressive energy helped moderate Democrats win on election night, but progressive candidates weren't so lucky. No, I think you're wrong. And I think you're trying to desperately justify the fact that or just justify why you had these people run in the first place when they don't help. No, progressive energy didn't help. Please stop. I don't want to hear it. What helps is that for one, a lot of a lot of the liberals aren't actually paying attention and might mindlessly vote for Biden regardless of what he talks about or because the media is protecting Biden. One of the things they do is Biden will say a sentence that's complete gibberish and they'll edit it because they want to get the gist of what he was saying. The dude can't speak and he does not represent moderates in this country. It's not just Vox. The New York Times, moderate Democrats fared best in 2018. A North Carolina election is also a chance to think about what kind of candidate might do best against President Trump. Look, man, there are people in media who recognize what's happening. The data exists and we know But the Democrats keep trying the same things over and over again, and they just don't make sense. Biden faces a new challenge, how to unify the party. Now, I think that's a fair, fair point to make. Even if Joe Biden, you know, they're they're trying to embrace these progressive policies because they know they're going to lose all of these voters. The way I see it, they're targeting the far left instead of targeting the center. Many people on the left, progressives, people like the Young Turks, for instance, have said that they want to awaken a new voter base of progressives who believe in these policies, but who normally don't vote. One of the problems that includes the youth vote. The youth doesn't vote. They didn't show up for Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders lost. 
But if you sacrifice one centrist, let me put it this way. If the progressives sacrifice, the, I'm sorry, the Democrats ignore the far left. Who's the far left going to go vote for? Donald Trump? Never going to happen. So they probably won't vote. And that's what we're seeing. But if the Democrats go for the centrists, if they go for people in the middle and moderate liberals, they would actually have an opportunity to take away some voters from Trump. If they go to the far left, then the people in the center will have no choice but to vote for Trump. And they do not view the orange man as the nightmare demon the left thinks he is. They have no problem voting for the president. In fact, in response to the president's actions on the coronavirus, independents and even many Democrats warmed up to him. Yet, of course, they're going to keep trying the same things over and over again. Biden courts Sanders voters with student loan health care policies. Oh, there we go. You see, Joe Biden is trying to move away from the center to court these progressives by offering up things that aren't really good for either faction, moderate or, 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 uh, or far left. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden on Thursday proposed expanding access to Medicare and forgiving some student debt in new overtures to support uh, uh, to supporters of one uh, of one time rival Bernie Sanders. Biden, who became Democrats presumptive nominee when Sanders ended his campaign on Wednesday, is working to close ranks. His new proposal includes expanding Medicare government insurance for Americans over 65 to those 60 and older. He also promises to forgive student debt for lower income Americans who attended public colleges and some other educational institutions. Senator Sanders and his supporters can take pride in their work in laying the groundwork for these ideas. And I'm proud to adopt them as part of my campaign at this critical moment in responding to the coronavirus crisis, Biden said in a statement. The real path of success for the Democrats will not be necessarily the far left or far far left ideology, but populist positions like Donald Trump is is in favor of. Now, Bernie Sanders is never going to get the support of these people. And I think we all know it, mostly because they view him as an old crony. And this is a mistake that the Democrats can't seem to ever understand. You won't win them. And Joe Biden is not a viable candidate. Over at the Washington Post, Dave Weigel wrote a postmortem for the Bernie Sanders campaign. In it, he says, Democrats went out of their way to capitalize on Sanders brand. They tapped him for a series of swing state rallies ahead of the 2016 general election. After their defeat, they added him to the party's Senate leadership team for the first time. While Sanders' opponents in the party defeated Keith Ellison, his candidate to run uh, the Democratic National Committee, new chairman Tom Perez added Ellison to his team, then went on a national unity tour with Sanders. The crowds were there for the senator, not the DNC's new leader, and Sanders knew it. In an April 2017 interview, he recalled how the unglamorous party building work he'd done in 2016 was dwarfed by the excitement for his own campaign. Listen, they kept trying to embrace Bernie. They really, really did. But you know what? It's not, it's not going to play out the way they think it is. There is a fringe vocal minority that's being, that the Democrats are chasing after. You've got one faction that seems to think all they have to do is scream that the president is bad, and another faction who seems to think we should target socialists, and that's our path to victory. Joe Biden does need to unify the party. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I think the more that the Democrats entertain Sanders and the more progressive far left values, the more they are building up Democrats to, to expect these policies and to embrace them. And that will ostracize independence. Over at the Hill, they, they wrote Trump's greatest allies for a 2020 win are AOC, Ocasio-Cortez and the squad saying, according to internal Democratic polling, the squad is beyond toxic for the Democrats in the 2020 swing states. 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez may be popular among the Democratic base, but her favorability among voters the Democrats need in the states that matter is hovering around 22%. Further, only 9% of swing voters polled have a favorable view of Rep. Ilhan Omar, while socialism clocked in at a not exactly awe-inspiring 18%. Public polling from CBS News further confirms that many Americans view the squad unfavorably and that Trump has room to make them even more disliked among the electorate due to their currently limited name ID. And at the same time, amid all of the problems we are facing, U.S. shares see their biggest weekly gain in 46 years. And once again, once again, like clockwork, Trump hits record approval in Fox News poll. Now, some might say Fox News is biased, but the reality is that Fox News has been fairly unkind to Trump in their polling for some time, and Trump has called them out. And it's also fair to point out that, that in the RCP aggregate, Trump's actually down a couple, about a point and a half or so. But we are seeing another poll pop up showing Trump being better than ever. This is the latest poll. So maybe we'll see a reversal of the past aggregate polling as the new polls start to come in. These things fluctuate. I don't know what else to say. I really don't. Because every day when I sit down and I look at these news stories, I think to myself, am I really going to give everyone an update on the same thing? Because as much as I can complain the Democrats are trapped in Groundhog Day, I am too. I don't even know what to write for this. I was thinking of being like, well, Adam Schiff has launched his new investigation. Oh, wait, I already said that because Adam Schiff has already started the fact finding last week. So now the bill is out. It's like a slow roll of the same thing happening every single day. And we know it's going to happen. It's going to fizzle. We're all going to see our time wasted. There's going to be stupid TV shows where they're going to have the inquiry. Schiff's going to pretend he's going to furl his brow and be like, why weren't these masks given out? No one's going to care. The ratings are going to drop. And Trump is going to win in November because the rest of the Democrats are too obsessed with progressive nonsense that the average American does not want or care about. Combine the independent base with the conservative base and you have winners. That's it. You have the majority of the electorate in that regard. So the press and the Democrats can complain all day and night that Republican senators, you know, 17% of the population elects 50% of the senators because of these small states. Oh, go ahead and complain about it. But you have to understand, it's not just conservatives. The moderates are there too, helping the conservatives. And that's why you keep losing. I don't know what it'll take the Democrats to finally figure out that this doesn't work. You'd think after the first time they stuck their hand in the flame and got burned, they'd be like, fire hot. Maybe after the second time, they'd say, fire indeed hot. Maybe after the third time, they'd stop and say, my hand is gone. It's been burned off. But they just keep doing it. I can't, I can't tell you why they do it. Maybe they want to lose. Maybe that's really... Look, I, I've said before that maybe they're so desperate to stop Sanders, they're willing to sacrifice everything, but they've been embracing Sanders' policies. What's, what, why would they do that? I think it's because they don't know how to win. There's no party leadership. There's no professional leadership. And there is a distinct lack of ability in recognizing one's own mistakes on that side. Maybe that's what's created them and separated the current conservatives from the current liberals. Maybe that's why we see social justice as a growing tenet among Democrats, because they can't recognize when something is their fault. So they want to blame someone else. You're free to do so. And then when you lose and you claim the game is rigged or the Electoral College is unfair or now we need mail-in voting, all I see is someone with no policy plans, no path to success, no plan for success, and who's constantly complaining about the rules being unfair. You all knew what the rules were when you got into this. You have every opportunity to stop and reflect on your failures and you won't do it. So you know what? I am not looking forward to another investigation with Pelosi and Schiff and more stupid 
nonsense. I just wish the Democrats would come out and talk about healthcare or something. You know, I thought maybe it was just me. I looked up Democrats and healthcare and nope, maybe it's the media. The media won't talk about what Democrats are doing, but I really doubt it. They could hold a press conference to talk about this. They're not. They want to investigate the president. They want to court Bernie Sanders supporters and embrace progressive values, which did not work in 2018 because they lack the ability to learn. I'll see you all in the next segment coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast News. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all there. The world is not a land of magical candy canes and rainbows where people dance around holding hands riding unicorns. The world has its ups and its downs. There are people we love and things we enjoy, and typically life is pretty good for many people, not always good for everyone. But there are bad people who aim to do bad things. And I think I get particularly frustrated by all these people who think we can live in this utopian society without realizing that crime exists. Some people are opportunists. Some people are, dare I say, evil. We're seeing crime go up. This story from the Daily Mail, burglaries and car thefts double in Queens community, hardest hit by coronavirus, while major crime rate across NYC plummets 33%. Now that makes sense, the crime plummeting. But it seems like what's really happening is that the, the opportunistic crimes, people who might mug or snatch a purse or, or shake you down, they're, they're indoors. And with more potential, with, with everyone basically indoors, there's less of an opportunity for crime. It's not like people are deciding to commit crimes less. In fact, it would seem they're committing crimes more. We'll come back to the story because this is not the reason why you clicked on this video. We can see this commercial burglary soar since coronavirus emergency measures. But I want to talk about the more personal individual story here. Shocking daylight home invasion during virus lockdown is stopped by Chicago homeowner fatally shooting one of the masked intruders and beating up the other. Warning, distressing content. We'll come back to these other stories about the increasing crimes, the opportunist, or it's, it's commercial burglary and car theft. And we've, we, we've got a real threat of social order breakdown. Now, listen, we are hearing some good news. The Dow Jones, the economy, they're, they're improving, but we're also seeing some bad news. 16.6, or, or, or what are we at? Yeah, about 16.6 million unemployment claims. It's hard to know if we are through this, if we are getting to the end. I don't know. I don't want to be overly pessimistic. Often I'll see a story that sounds like things are getting better. Then we'll see stories that sound like things are getting bad. The reason why this story is significant is that the men showed up, the burglars, the criminals, showed up to this man's house wearing masks looking like they were just protecting themselves from coronavirus. They then tried to invade this guy's home and they got a, they got a surprise. They made a very, very stupid move because the homeowner was armed. And unfortunately for one of these criminals, they lost their life that day. This is on the fourth. The other man was beaten up and fled. The police arrested the accomplice who was then charged with the murder of the man he was trying to invade the home uh, with the criminals. And that's Unfortunately, what happens? I, 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 I do not revel in the death of people. I do not in, in, in any way enjoy it. But you see what happens when you try and break into someone's home to commit a crime, to steal from them, to rob them, to exploit the pandemic and the fears we all have. The greater segment I want to talk about this, this morning has to do with the real threat of societal breakdown. And I'm, I'm actually feeling a bit optimistic, though. I mean, we're seeing that the, we, we may be nearing a peak we may be seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. They're talking about reopening the economy by, by around May 1st, which is just after the April 30th deadline. So we'll see how things play out. Let's read this, though. And then I want to talk to you about the real risk of the increase of crime. The Daily Mail reports, 
A homeowner stopped an attempted break-in during the coronavirus lockdown by fatally shooting one of the two intruders and beating the other. I gotta say, man, my, my, my respect to the homeowner, that's, that, that's, it. I, I respect. He actually stopped two intruders and he, he, unfortunately one of them had to die, but he beat the crap out of the other one. I'm impressed with his ability to defend himself. That's, 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 that's strength. Doorbell footage released by Illinois police show Bradley Finnan, 39, and Larry Brodex, Brodex, 58, approaching a home in Arlington Heights, wearing masks, gloves, baseball caps, and black jackets. Now, Arlington Heights is a suburb of Chicago. They attempted to open the door, but found it locked before spotting the doorbell camera. One suspect approaches the door and looks directly into the camera before knocking on the door. We can see these photos. They're wearing gloves and masks. They're exploiting the coronavirus pandemic to get away with being masked up for a home invasion. If somebody was seen wearing, you know, black gloves and a ski mask with a buddy walking up to a house in any normal circumstance, people would be like, yo, what is this? Oh, they're just wearing protective gear like everybody else. When the door, when the door opens, one intruder can be heard saying, hey, how you doing, boss? Before they both barge inside. Shouting can be heard mere moments, including a female voice yelling, hey, repeatedly. Moments later, the barefoot homeowner dressed in a red shirt and shorts shoves Finnan out the door. He pins him to the ground and punches him repeatedly, landing a series of blows. The homeowner can be heard shouting for help towards landscapers across the street. Finnan is able to escape the homeowner's grip and trips into the street as the homeowner races back inside. During the home invasion, Broddux was shot dead in what authorities describe as self-defense. It is unclear if he was killed before or after his struggle with Finnan outside the home. Finnan was later captured by police. He was charged on Tuesday by Cook County prosecutors with murder and home invasion. The Daily Herald reported that a statute allows defendants to be charged with murder if they take part in a felony offense leading to another person's death. There is a bit of what's the right feeling? It's like karmic justice. It is it is it is instant karma. These people sought to invade someone's home, violate the rights of a man who successfully fended off two criminals. Unfortunately, one of them had to lose their life. But I got to tell you what, man, it feels really good to see this guy get arrested and charged with all of it. Crime is unfortunately going up. And this was just a singular instance that I thought would be important to show you. Look at these photos. The guys are wearing the latex gloves. They're wearing masks. They're trying to exploit this so that people don't, don't, you know, see what they're doing. I don't know what they were thinking, trying to invade some guy's home, but I'm glad he was able to protect himself the way he did. I am seriously glad. It is not an easy thing to, to uh, be armed in Illinois. It's, it's, a, it's a blue state, to say the least. But we're seeing this stuff. Check this out. The Daily Mail says, burglaries and car thefts double. As major crimes have plummeted in New York City during the first two weeks under strict stay-at-home orders, some neighborhoods hit hardest by coronavirus are seeing a spike in burglaries and car thefts. Across all five boroughs, the number of major crimes cases, which range from murder and felony assault to grand larceny, has dropped 33%. Yes, it has. But I think it's fair to point out a lot of these crimes that you'll see in New York, Chicago, or LA, big cities, it'll be like someone walking down the street some guy will be like, ooh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go after that guy. With everyone in home, there's less victims. So the fact that it's down 33% amid a major lockdown, I think it should actually be down substantially. It should be down way more. Unfortunately, it's not. I think what we're actually seeing here is how dangerously close we sit to societal breakdown at any given time. It's only been a few weeks and we're seeing home invaders. We're seeing burglaries, thefts, commercial looting. There are, there are people, they are not good people. I'm sure there are some desperate people. I'm sure there will always be crimes of desperation. 
But come on, these home invaders, that wasn't desperation. That was exploitation. That was opportunity. These people don't care about protecting their community. They don't care about you. They don't care about other people. So comeuppance and karmic justice feels good, doesn't it? They say in Southeast Queens, where the majority of the city's cases have been reported, there have been a fi- there's, been, there's been a 50% increase in burglaries and car thefts over the past two weeks. Major crimes there have fallen 25%. In East and Central Harlem, burglaries are up 18%. Now, I, I, listen, liberals, I, I hate using the word liberal, but urban dwellers who are you know probably more default liberal, probably not super politically active, they got a hard wake up call with a lot with these stories, with the home invasions, with the burglaries, with the commercial theft. Check, check this out. Commercial burglaries soar. We started seeing businesses all over New York start boarding up their windows, locking things down, fearing civil unrest. I mean, this is it. Set, what is it? 75% increase? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, here we go. Look, they've risen 75%. They've nearly doubled because people are exploiting a crisis. So in these places, you've seen urban liberals flock to gun stores. I'm not surprised. They're now realizing that with police strained, police sick, what is it? One in five NYPD officers are out sick. You can't rely on this. You can't rely on them, unfortunately. And the other thing that people don't seem to realize is, you know, I've personally dealt with home defense issues. I've personally dealt with crimes. In most instances, if you're the victim of a crime, the police are there to show up after the fact to try and track down this person to stop them in the future, but they can't stop them while they're committing the crime unless it happens like right in front of a cop. When is that ever going to happen? There's not a police officer in this man's home when the home invasion starts. He was able to defend himself and I can respect it. But we're seeing something beyond this. So let, let me show you this. This, this. this really, really makes me angry. Look, I've, I'm not a uh, hardcore 2A traditionalist, you know, gun toting, anything like that. I'm very moderate on these issues, but I can certainly respect why somebody would want to defend themselves. When it comes to how fragile society is, it seems like there are too many people who live in cities who think the world is candy canes and rainbows. This photo you're seeing, 6,000 families lined up in their cars for hours at Traders Plaza in San Antonio for a food distribution event on Thursday. You know why this photo really, really makes me angry? In, I think it was like February and early March, I did a series of promos for an emergency food supply company. Many of you probably bought some. I'm glad you did. For those that didn't care, it's all on you. You don't got to take my advice. But I'll tell you what. I told people, listen, you do not want to be fighting over the last can of beans in a parking lot because the world isn't a, a safety bubble. We just happen to have luxury and we happen to have the illusion of security. We've been living in this prosperous golden age for so long. No one realizes how bad things can really get. Me having been to many countries, witnessing revolution, economic collapse, disaster economies, I know full well what could really happen. And maybe it's because a lot of conservatives have, you know, uh, grown up outside of cities where they're very, they, they must be self-reliant. It's why they have these views. For me, I've been to Venezuela. I've seen what happens when the food runs out. I've been to countries that declare revolution and the stores get wiped clean. There's no more, there's no, no, no more supply chain. And so I said, do not believe that you will be safe from everything all the time in your fancy little perfect bubble world. And sure enough, you get all of these snooty, skeptic, smarty pants on Twitter, mocking and laughing and making fun. I'll tell you what, man, I know better than you. I don't care if you want to mock and belittle me. I really don't. And now I feel bad. These stupid, stupid people who would tell you, oh, ignore Tim. Don't buy, you know, emergency supplies for your family amid a global pandemic. How insane are these people? 
And now how many people had to line up in cars? 6,000 families desperate for food. Millions are going hungry. You look at these photos. They're, they're having to give out emergency supplies as people line up in these massive, massive parking lots because they have no food. These are not poor people. These are not homeless people. These are people who have lost access to the supply chain. 6,000 families lined up in their cars hours at Traders Plaza in San Antonio for a food distribution event on Thursday. These, are, these people aren't homeless. They have cars. But something happened and they needed food. They weren't getting it. Perhaps it's because 16.6 million people just lost their jobs or had to file uh, unemployment claims, whatever, 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 however that translates to unemployment. They say 10% of the workforce is out. Now they have no money. So maybe, maybe the issue is, and, and I'll be fair, maybe the issue is they wouldn't have had the money to buy the emergency food in the first place. Maybe that's the real issue. Not everybody can afford to spend, you know, 100, 200 bucks on a two-week food supply. And, and that's fine. I get it. I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you what you should or shouldn't do if you can't do something. But it's, it, I'll, I'll tell you what's really frustrating. I've done so many videos, so many segments talking about how there are these people who just think the world is all unicorns and rainbows. And that's just, uh, you, you hear me say it now several times. But we've seen stories of people going and riding their bikes in Tajikistan. Guess what happens? People going hiking in the mountains of Morocco. Guess what happens? And even here in the United States, minding their own business in their own homes. And what happens? Now, I'm not trying to tell you the world is fire and brimstone. I'm trying to tell you to be an adult. Be mature and recognize that sometimes disasters happen. I'm, I'm frustrated by this because there are so many people who probably have the means to buy the food, but you, you go to these stores and the shelves are cleared out. I don't know when this will end. We're still locked down. Uh, people are blaming Trump for what's happening in, in, in New York City. They're calling it the Trump burial pits. Bill de Blasio downplayed this. The same as all the other morons on Twitter who gloated and laughed saying, you don't need to buy any supplies. Ignore Tim. Bill de Blasio was saying the same thing. Ah, no, nah, don't worry about the global pandemic. Just go out and do your thing. Check, check out these tweets. There, there, there's a, a trend right now, Trump burial pits. Okay. Bill de Blasio tweeted on March 2nd, since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives, get out of the town despite coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestions. Here's the first. Through Thursday, go see The Trader at Film Inc. Uh, Film Link. If The Wire was a true story set in Italy, it would be this film. Do you know what this tweet from Bill de Blasio reveals? Reveals that the people of New York City were getting skittish, that they were worried about the potential virus, and they were probably acting in accordance. And Bill de Blasio resisted. The people of the city knew better. Not everybody, but a lot of people. And so to reverse people trying to avoid going out and being worried, he started saying, no, 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 it's fine. I'm going to encourage you to ignore your, your greater sense. You knew, people of New York, you were worried. The stories were popping up. There's a virus. It's a pandemic. People are losing their lives. The people of New York, New York were worried. And Bill de Blasio came out and said, ignore it. You'll be fine. Go see a movie. Now on Twitter, the leftists are blaming Trump for this. Trump is the president. He certainly has responsibilities. He can certainly be criticized for a slow response. All of these things. New York City and the big impact, the mass graves that, you know, they're digging mass graves in New York. Yeah, that's on Bill de Blasio. He, like all of these other people who would tell you not to protect your home, who would tell you not to have any emergency supplies, who would mock you for buying it. These people are insane. And now you can see how bad it gets when you, when you elect these people to office. It's not about liberal policy or conservative policy. It's about responsibility. 
It's about maturity. You can certainly believe in government social programs and progressive tax increases and still recognize why you need a firearm to defend your family or why you might need emergency food or why you might need a first aid kit. Burglaries, commercial burglars are going up. So what are the businesses doing? Boarding up their buildings. You know why? Because they know what comes next. Bill de Blasio, on the other hand, everybody go out and party. Now, to be fair, Bill de Blasio has changed his tune. But here's what I tweeted. Last I heard, Trump wasn't the mayor of New York, let alone the one who encouraged people to get together while the pandemic was sweeping across the world. That was Bill de Blasio. Of course, after the fact, instead of accepting responsibility for ignoring this, for telling people not to prepare, they just blame Trump. You know what's funny? There's a lot of blame to go around. For the most part, China. Come on, let's be real. And we can criticize Trump and say he could have done a better job. And I think it's a good thing to criticize him. I'm not saying he's done a bad job. In fact, most people tend to think he's done a good job. As of recent, Trump's polling has gone down. His response to the coronavirus is now inverted in the polls. Whether or not you want to trust the polls, I think it's fair to say if I'm going to highlight polls showing Trump's approval rating is going up in the aggregate, I'll, I'll mention that they're going down. And right now, across the board, Trump's, Trump's approval rating is still really high relative to the rest of his presidency. But his response on the coronavirus has now inverted and he's got more disapproval than approval. I don't think it's statistically significant because it's not the highest. You know, it's not a major increase or anything like that, but it is significant to mention. So the president does deserve some criticism. He could do a better job. And I think criticizing him constructively and saying do better is a good thing. I think what they've done, what these, the, the, it, it tends to be, you know, it, it's, it's a strange thing. There are many things you can criticize conservatives for. Absolutely, 100%. But right now we're looking at responsibility. And for some reason, this goes out the window with the left. They don't take responsibility for their jobs. They don't take responsibility for their rent. They don't take responsibility for the cities and the problems they've created. And it's exemplified by Trump, the hashtag Trump, Trump burial pits. You got to own it, man. Is, is there something that separates conservatives and liberals where they don't want to own up to their mistakes? And I, th- I think that's actually a really good example of why they've been losing so much in the past several years. If you can't own up to your mistakes, how can you correct them? How can you do better next time? What you're seeing from Bill de Blasio as he encouraged people to go out is the exact same thing that results in this 6,000 people lining up saying, I don't have food because when they should have been preparing for the worst, for the storm, they probably weren't. Again, I'll be fair. Many of them probably didn't have the means to do so. They're going to a food distribution event. You can certainly still go to many areas and buy food. So I'd imagine many of these people lost their jobs because they're living paycheck to paycheck. I think we have economic issues, you know, that need to be dealt with. I don't know how you can help, you know, I don't know how many of these families could do better if they're working low skill, low wage jobs and they can't afford to save. But we end up with people who are trapped. You end up with people who ignore the advice, who laugh, who think they're smart. How many people left New York before it got bad? How many people went out and bought extra groceries before the prices started going up? We've seen stories that certain, uh, uh, certain products have started skyrocketing in costs. I was, I, was at, I was at the store, you know, last week or so, and a guy who, who was running a restaurant was, was buying as much, as much as he could because he runs a restaurant, said that the price of eggs was skyrocketing because supply chain disruption, because of demand. So what happens if, if, if you go out before the storm hits? When I said back in, you know, February, hey, you know, don't go nuts. Just go buy some extra supplies. Well, what's, what's the worst that would have happened? You'd have got in, you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have walked in, bought yourself, walked out. But somebody would have made fun of you. Is it worth it? You look, man, I'll tell you what, you can call me every name in the world and I'm going to be like, yep. 
But maybe it's just me because I get it all the time. I got a ton of followers on, on Twitter and, and it's just inundated with stupid people mocking and belittling and saying dumb things. And I just don't care. I know what I need to make it through the worst of the worst. I hope you recognize that as well. And that means there's not always going to be this, uh, someone there to protect you. You, re- you want to rely on the fire department? Yeah, but don't you have a fire extinguisher? This is one of the funniest things about the, the, the anti-2A arguments. They say, what do you need a gun for? Just call the police or something like that. It's like, what do you need a fire extinguisher? Just call the fire department uh, because you need to put the fire out right away, right? Well, how does that work? We understand why we need a fire extinguisher. We don't understand why we need home defense, be it a firearm or otherwise. No, that's, that's ridiculous. You got to take care of yourself and your family. I'm not, as I mentioned, the craziest gun-toting two-way guy. I think there are certain things we can do to, uh, to, tr- to navigate how to better keep our communities safe in terms of gun regulation and such. But as far as I can tell right now, one of the biggest problems we've seen, especially in that area, is the failures of background checks, the, the willingness of these, 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 uh, these, these politicians to shut down gun shops. So I don't know how you can actually implement laws to keep people safe if you're going to see people exploit the system to shut down our ability to protect our families. Here in New, uh, in New Jersey, it's ridiculously hard to actually get a firearm for home defense, even though local police advise me to do so. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Look at the photo. Look at the crimes. Look at the home invasions. And let me just leave by saying, you got a fire extinguisher. I get it. You can't, for the most part, accidentally kill somebody with a fire extinguisher. But you also know the fire department isn't going to be there, and the fire extinguisher is going to save your home from burning down. Look, what about this home invasion? If this dude didn't have, where we, if, if, this, if this dude who lived here didn't have home defense, who knows what would have happened to him and his family? The world is not all candy canes and rainbows, man. I'll see you all in the next segment at 1 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. California has declared independence. Rhetorically, not really kind of hashtag President Newsom. Apparently people are harping on this story because in a passive comment on MSNBC, Governor Gavin Newsom of California referred to California as a nation state that could export important medical supplies to other states. Because of this, everyone started yelling President Newsom. Well, not everybody, but tons of people were yelling President Newsom. Daily Coast says California declares rhetorical independence from the undemocratic Trumpian states of America. Well, if you can't beat them, quit, I guess. And I'm sure there are a lot of people in this country who'd be very happy if California did leave, taking with it its 55 electoral votes, which typically go to the Democrat, fine, whatever. But California does produce a ton of food, and it's a massive part of the United States GDP. But let's take a look at what actually happened. We got a story from Bloomberg Opinion. Gavin Newsom declares California a nation state, while not as not nearly as over the top as saying he declared independence, even if you put rhetorical in, in parentheses, still not entirely accurate, but still interesting. Gavin Newsom did refer to California as a nation state. I checked the audio. He did. He did say export. What does that really mean? Well, here's what Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg Opinion writes. The state is at odds with the federal government over coronavirus plans and much else. California this week declared its independence from the federal government's feeble efforts to fight COVID-19 and perhaps from a bit more. The consequences for the fight against the pandemic are almost certainly positive. The implications for the brewing civil war between Trumpism and America's budding 21st century majority embodied by California's multiracial liberal electorate are less clear. Speaking of MSNBC, 
Governor Gavin Newsom said that he would use the bulk purchasing power of California as a nation state to acquire the hospital supplies the federal government has failed to provide. If all goes according to plan, Newsom said, California might even export some of those supplies to the states in need. Quote, nation state, quote, export. Now, guess what? Governor Gavin Newsom agrees with the president. People, people need to stop pretending like this is some big rift or civil war. Donald Trump asked them to do this. They're not defying the president by saying like, well, we're going to buy the supplies we need. That's literally what Trump said to do, that the federal government will operate as a backup for the states and the states will need to take care of themselves. In fact, the president got ragged on by much of these same activists for doing that much. They're like, no, the federal government must take care of this for the governors. And now Gavin Newsom is doing what Trump wanted him to do. So I guess you could theoretically say begrudgingly, in which case Trump made the governors actually take care of themselves. That was Trump's goal. I mean, I'm wondering if a lot of these people know anything about the conservative arguments towards, you know, weaker federal government and more state, you know, more state control and, you know, the ability for states at their own laws. Bloomberg writes, Newsom is accomplishing a few things here with what can only be a deliberate lack of subtlety. First and foremost, he is trying to relieve the shortage of personal protective equipment, a crisis the White House has proved incapable of remedying. Incapable. Trump said the states need to do it. I don't, I don't even know what's about capability other than Trump being like, you got to take care of yourself. And a lot of people got mad about it. Details are a little fuzzy, but Newsom, according to news reports, has organized multiple suppliers to deliver roughly 200 million masks monthly. Now, he did say they would be manufactured overseas. I appreciate the honesty. Second, Newsom is kicking sand in the face of President Donald Trump. After Newsom's previous flattery, the coin of the White House realm failed to produce results. If Trump can't manage to deliver supplies, there's no point in Newsom continuing the charade. Now, interestingly, we saw Cuomo and Newsom praise Trump in a limited fashion around the time that Trump's approval rating was going up. Now we're seeing Trump receiving flack for a little bit from Cuomo and now some from Gavin Newsom. And Trump's approval rating has gone down, likely because with the support of these Democratic governors, Democratic voters started actually saying they liked what the president was doing probably because the Democratic governors were telling their people they liked what Trump was doing as well. Now, here's what they had. Third, and this may be the most enduring effect. Newsom is sending a powerful message to both political parties. So far, the Republican Party's war on Democratic values, institutions and laws has been a largely one-sided affair with the GOP assaulting and the Democratic Party defending. The lethal ruling this week by the U.S. Supreme Court's Republican bloc, which required Wisconsin residents to vote in person during a pandemic that shut down polling stations, is a preview of the fall campaign. The GOP intends to restrict vote by mail and other legitimate enfranchisement to suppress turnout amid fear, uncertainty and disease. Listen, man, everyone claims they got the answer as to why their position is right or wrong. I'm sure there are some people on the left that want to use nefarious means to get elected, as well as people on the right. But you can't just go around saying that only Republicans are doing this. Let me tell you something. If you're seeing a wave of Republican politicians making these decisions, you realize it's because they were elected, right? Which means it's representative to a certain degree of what the American people or their constituents want. You got to stop pretending like the government has supreme authority. I don't know where this, this, this mindset comes from. People are elected and they're, they're kicked out of office if they do a bad job. But it's an organization. It's people, people who come together and say, here's what I want. In fact, many of these politicians respond to what the people want. Many of these politicians are only in office because they said things that resonated with their constituents. 
So it's not about the Republicans doing it. It's about the people choosing Republicans to make them go and do this. They write, at some point, this civil war by other means with the goal of enshrining GOP minority rule will provoke a Democratic counteroffensive. Newsom, leader of the nation's largest state, is perhaps accelerating that response, shaking Democrats out of denial and putting Republicans on notice. California, an economic behemoth whose taxpayers account for 15% of individual contributions to the U.S. Treasury, is now toning up at Muscle Beach. Oh, are they? What that means, of course, is left to the imagination, but not much is required to envision what might evolve. Yes, they've been calling for Cal exit for some time. I don't know if I'd care. I, I got to be pers- I got to be honest. I don't live in California. I don't very much like California because I think they run things very poorly. Their streets are, litter- are littered with human waste and they have very serious homeless problems that they either can't or are incapable of solving. Newsom, a former lieutenant governor who won the top job in 2018 has used the nation state phrase before. It's a very odd thing to say. California, like its 49 smaller siblings, qualifies only as the second half. But it's so obviously no slip of the tongue. Democratic State Senator Scott Weiner, a leader in California's cumbersome efforts to produce more housing, said soon after Newsom took office in 2019 that reorienting reorienting the state's relationship to Washington is a necessity, not a choice. The federal government is no longer a reliable partner in delivering health care in supporting immigrants, supporting LGBT people, in protecting the environment. So we need to forge our own path. We can do everything in our power to protect our state, but we need a reliable federal partner. And right now we don't have that, which brings me to my next question. Is it possible that the culture war rift is impossible to mend? In which case you end up with a federal government largely voted in by people who are sick and tired of these weird ideologies, oligarchy, and faux socialism. So they reject it. Republican politicians come in, start changing the rules, appointing judges. California then very much adopting this ideology says, we out y'all. We don't want to have anything to do with this. And I'm sure there are a lot of people in the US that outside of California who agree, we don't want to have anything to do with what you're doing, California. There have been many stories. I don't want to say studies, but I've read reports that Typically, the rest of the U.S. is a couple of years behind California, that what happens in California later later happens in the rest of the country. I don't know if that's necessarily the truth, but if it is, then you you can you know what to expect. The, the people in California, these social justice activists like to pretend like they're the heroes of, of the weak and the minor and the marginalized. But if you look at San Francisco, it's the perfect depiction of a capitalist dystopia. And I don't I'm not saying capitalism is all bad, but based on their the, the, what they're saying makes literally no sense. San Francisco, the, the whole, you know, uh, Silicon Valley area, the whole Bay Area is an exercise in nightmare dystopia. You've got massive buildings with some of the most wealthy, in, like the wealthiest individuals and wealthiest corporations on the planet, surrounded by homelessness and human waste all over the streets. The wealth disparity in this place is nightmarish, yet they claim to be the ones fighting against it. Now, there are a few people who deserve a shout out. Jack Dorsey, for instance, pledged 30% or 28% of his, of his net worth, a billion dollars in shares, to go towards COVID relief more than anyone else has, has committed to. So at least he's putting his money where his, where his mouth is, though there are a lot of other issues with the things Jack Dorsey has done. We'll give him credit for this one, credit where, it, where it's deserved. But if you look at the rest of California, you look at the homeless crisis, the drug crisis, the inability or the incapability to actually solve any of these problems, and it looks like that might be coming for the rest of the U.S., Unless the American people see what's happening in California, they hear these stories of LA and homelessness, and they elect someone like Donald Trump. They then start electing Republicans. 
The interesting thing about what's happened in the past few years with uh, mostly with the House and how the Democrats actually gained some power back in the federal government has to do with Democrats promising to stay away from that kind of stuff that we were going to we we're going to focus on issues that you cared about the economy, you know, jobs, health care. And what did they do? Instead of casting the ring into the fires, the the orange man bad impeachment scandal ring, they decided to wield that power. And it doesn't work because these districts do not care for this. Perhaps it's that California has lurched so far left so so quickly that the rest of America won't follow suit because they're just insane. You know, the, the, the way it's typically described is that the, uh, the left is pulling, you know, the liberals in this country, Democrats are pulling the rest of the country to the left while Republicans slow them down. And it's a slow drag, slowly moving to the left. But something happened, and I think it was with the internet, where the left lurched so hard to the left that the line snapped. Moderates and Republicans are mostly staying where they are, leaning a little bit to the left, but not really that much. And the left just launched. It's almost like it's a dog on a leash, breaks the leash and just runs straight for the edge of the cliff. The rest of us are watching saying, hey, wait a minute, that's a bad idea. Now, if we were blindly walking on our, you know, on our cell phones, walking the dog and the dog walked us to the cliff and we fell off, that'd be our own fault. And that's what, you know, maybe that's a bit extreme, but it's supposed to be that the person walking the dog stops the leftward lurch if it goes in in dangerous directions. Well, since the leash has snapped and the left lurched so far left, they're going to jump off the cliff. I think we're going to see Trump win. I think we're going to see the Republicans reclaim the house. And I got to be honest, I think the Republicans will be as ineffective as ever. I mean, we, we hear about all these things the Democrats have supposedly done, all these scandals. They investigate Trump nonstop. We've got FISA abuse. We got all this really nasty stuff. But the, 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 for, for whatever reason, the Republicans couldn't even, when they, when they controlled everything before 2018, why weren't they getting things done? You'd think they'd be just rubber stamping everything. So even if they end up winning, I don't necessarily think it'll be particularly efficient. But what I can say is California might be too far gone. This kind of story, I think, is definitely over the top. As if Gavin Newsom passively mentioning them as a nation state is proof that they're ready to declare independence. But it is possible that the rest of this country doesn't want to go as far left and ideologically insane as they have. So there's an impasse. California may have to make some very serious and difficult decisions. Do I think California would ever secede? Honestly, I do not. I just could not see it happening. But perhaps that's the optimism bias in me. You know, we, we've seen in the past hundred years, I mean, the U.S. has acquired new territory. There have been some changes. Maybe it could happen again. I mean, Trump was talking about buying Greenland or something, and everybody's making fun of it, but why not? We'll see. I mean, we still have Puerto Rico. We have other territories. Maybe they'll become states. Changes can happen. I think a lot of people are so used to things being the certain way, they can't imagine change. Well, California certainly has the ability and to a certain degree, the will to secede and form their own nation. And maybe this is just another grain of sand in the heap. I don't know. Let's read the, let's read the end of this one, see what he says, because I do want to jump to how the activists are taking this. He says, John C. Calhoun, who used the theory of states' rights to defend the institution of slavery, is not generally a philosophical lodestar for liberal Democrats such as Newsom. But if Republicans succeed in sabotaging democracy in November, Calhoun's theory of nullification, which posited that states have the power to defy federal law, could be ripe for a comeback on the left coast. With, with the heirs of the Confederacy now reigning in Washington, turnabout might be a very fair play. Now, some of you probably just threw up in your mouth a little bit, but you can understand the mentality here. This is what they're thinking. This person's very clearly in favor of leaving, blaming the Republicans for everything. Well, they live in California, I'd assume. So sure, why not? 
Now, over at Cal Matters, hashtag President Newsom, the hashtag that was trending on Twitter on Wednesday morning after Governor Gavin Newsom announced on the Rachel Maddow show that California will soon receive 200 million medical grade masks per month uh, to meet the state's needs. It didn't hurt on Monday that Newsom sent 500 ventilators to seven states, including New York and New Jersey. The message California provides the subtext because the federal government doesn't. But Newsom said Wednesday his actions shouldn't be taken as a critique of the federal government. Now, I don't want to get into too much of this because I want to jump to uh, Daily Coast, the activist's website, but I do want to point out hashtag President Newsom. There's also the potential that they've been propping up these governors to actually run against Trump. Let's be real, though. Newsom? No, nah, never going to happen. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I just don't see it. Now, Cuomo, I see. Andrew Cuomo, in my opinion, is someone who could be the president. He's got that got that X factor. I don't know if he could beat the beat Donald Trump, but Gavin Newsom doesn't. He's like a B list kind of, and I'm not trying to be mean to him. I'm saying he's just, he's not, he's just not a tier. You know, you can really see it if someone has presidential material for that matter. Joe Biden is like a straight F that guy can never be president. And if he won, I'd laugh, but I I'm betting he's not going to win. Now over at activist website, Daily Coast, which is considered to be very untrustworthy by NewsGuard, third party news rating agency. They say, California declares rhetorical independence from the undemocratic Trumpian states of America. Well, they thought they got them the other day with that weird story about finances. They didn't. So now they can rest assured that if they move to California and vote for it, you can secede from the union. And I got to be honest, I don't think anything would happen. I don't think the federal government would go in and shut anything down. I think they'd shrug and be like, Supreme Court might say no, but then what would happen if like California law enforcement and National Guard started acting in the interest of the state? would be a really weird thing. Here's what they write. If California was a country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world. It is the global hub for both entertainment and technology, while also providing a majority of the nation's people, uh, the nation's people food, as opposed to corn for cattle, a third of all vegetables and two thirds of all fruits and nuts. Oh, and the wine is pretty good too. It's also at the forefront of our nation's demographic transformation and is aggressively enacting progressive legislation. Naturally, that pits it directly against impeached President Donald Trump. I love it. And everything his party stands for. Indeed, California has effectively canceled the state's GOP. And registered Republicans are almost half that of registered Democrats, around 23%. The state's U.S. House delegation is 45 to 6, with no gerrymandering goosing the numbers. The California Assembly is 61 to 18 Democratic. The state Senate is 29 to 10 Democratic. Now, fed up with Trump's national incompetence, California Governor Gavin Newsom basically declared independence, announcing it would go his own way in responding to COVID-19. They are very, very hopeful about this. Yet that Democratic dominance in state projects poorly on the national scale. Both chambers of Congress are heavily weighed to favor rural, white, and conservative interests. California has two senators, so does Wyoming. You know what has more people than Wyoming? Well, 116 counties, 16 of them in California. That's the point, dude. Read history. Senators are not congressmen. You know how many congressmen Wyoming has? It has one. Do you know how many congressmen California has? I believe it's 53. You understand how this works now? Everybody gets two senators because we are a, a union of states. And it's and there's two different systems to this. So congratulations on your 55 electoral votes compared to Wyoming's three. Now go complain somewhere else because that state has senators. Anyway, moving on, states representing just 17 percent of the population can elect 50 percent 
or, I'm sorry, can elect 50 senators and the majority all because of random borders on a map. Yet these people seem to forget that at one point, California was a big empty state and people started moving there for mostly libertarian reasons. You see, my understanding is that Hollywood was a barren wasteland for a long time. And people started moving there because they were getting away from the tax man. They could do what they wanted without fear because the federal government was very, very weak on the West Coast. These libertarian ideals attracted many people to move there, which allowed them to blossom into a large economy. And they also have some pretty good land for farming, but they do have problems with water, a lot of droughts. They do get, I think South SoCal gets its water from the Colorado River, which presumably somebody, you know, they could cut it off if they wanted to. I mean, they wouldn't do that. But now California has grown. It's progressed to a point where it's become more leftist and authoritarian than libertarian. And I'm not saying right libertarian, I'm saying just freedom. In which case, I'm not entirely convinced they could survive forever. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's natural progression. Maybe these laws will be enacted or maybe they will be crushed under the weight of their own hubris. I honestly don't know. They keep trying to to enact different laws, but I'll tell you what, the farming in California was under serious threat when the drought hit. The way the state is structured, there are serious risks and ecological destruction is around the corner. Right now, there's been a big fight going on with the smelt in the Bay Area. You see people in the farms, which you so uh, you brag about, they're not leftists. They're typically conservative. And they actually want to reroute Delta water from the north to the south so they can farm. But there are concerns that it would destroy the Bay, which is fresh water, and turn it turn it brackish or saline because of the ocean. There's a lot of complicated stuff going on. But the point is, farmers want water. The big urban areas vote against them. So you can talk about all this farming you have, but don't be surprised if these people leave if you did try to secede. Perhaps it's only because the federal government can intervene and protect them that they're willing to stay involved or because they can elect, you know, uh, federal level uh, Congress people. I don't know for sure. They do bring up a good point. California would be the fifth biggest economy in the world. Technically, its numbers are a part of the United States. The United States would still probably be the biggest, but I think they're getting ahead of themselves. Will California ever really declare independence? No, because they, what's their defense? Could, 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 could California protect itself? I mean, maybe they don't need to. I mean, they're still connected to the contiguous United States. So I, I don't know. I think it's all just a bunch of people and their wishful thinking, but uh, I'm not going to stand in your way. If everybody in California voted for it, I don't got a problem with it. What about you? I'm sure a lot of people would say bye-bye and love to see them go. If they don't like the system they're involved in, they can leave. But what they don't realize, as I mentioned earlier, is that at one point they were a barren wasteland. They eventually developed into a wealthy state, and now they're angry that they got to play by the rules that benefited them for a long time. If the people in California can't look at history and they want special privileges today, then by all means, secede with my blessing. The reality is at any point, Wyoming could see a major influx of residents for any reason. Who knows? Maybe because it's more free and libertarian minded because it's a smaller, less populous state. And then all of a sudden, the census will happen. And within a few years, it will have way more power than you do. The system is designed this way on purpose. You never know what state is going to come up. I'm, here a lot, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about West Virginia, especially after what's going on in Virginia. Maybe West Virginia will start gaining a lot more power. Who knows? The system isn't just this one static, unfair system. And you need to recognize that other people in this country exist. There are rules and laws we've all agreed to. If you'd like to change them, then vote for them. Will California secede? Probably not, but this was a fun segment anyway. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out.
You know, a couple months ago, life was kind of normal. But since the start of the pandemic, we have seen a dramatic escalation of authoritarianism. And I would like to see some higher level politicians step in and shut this stuff down. First, check out this video. Throwing riders off a bus for not having masks, even though masks aren't a requirement. And one dude's even wearing a mask, just not the right kind of mask. But I want to tell you what's really scary. Probably the reason why you click this video. Anthony Fauci, coronavirus immunity cards for Americans are being discussed. The proposal already being implemented by German researchers is under consideration in the United Kingdom and Italy. No dice, no way. You ain't going to make me carry around any more papers. I mean, listen, they say papers, please. That's the old trope. Let's be honest. We carry around our IDs as it is. So yeah, they already do it to us. Show us your ID. We saw a story of a guy getting detained because he said, no, we don't have to for the most part. Sometimes they make you do it. Let's stop. Let's draw the line right now. Welcome to the nightmare dystopia. Let me walk you through how insane things are getting. I'm going to show you this clip just a little bit. We see this guy. I don't know who he is. I think he's maybe a cop. He starts yelling to people, if you're not wearing a mask, you got to get off the bus. Check this out. This dude right here, he's wearing some kind of mask. It's not a surgical mask. Someone in the back's got a scarf on. He says, I don't care. Get out. Then we get this. Check this out. This is in Philadelphia. Police are pulling a dude out of the bus. And what do people say in response to this? Well, the dude should have just done what he was told and listened to the police. He didn't break any laws. It's not actually a requirement to wear a mask. This is arbitrary enforcement by overzealous cops who don't know what they're doing and don't pay attention. Check this out. Logged in message. Passengers are not required to wear masks to ride the bus. Passengers can ride the bus with or without a mask. Then why do all these cops show up and drag a dude off the bus? And where is everybody else telling them to stop? Where are the politicians? Where are the, where are the federal level politicians? You know what? The Democrats want to talk about police brutality and all that stuff. Well, looky here. We got what, what, it looks, what looks to be a marginalized person being pulled off a bus by a bunch of white cops. All of a sudden, zip, everybody's quiet. Why? Because they like the authoritarianism when it benefits them or when it's their district and they're in power. I want to see somebody come out and, and, and condemn this. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not seriously saying it's about race. I'm saying you'd think they'd come out first and foremost and say, you can't do this. You can't. And we shouldn't allow them to do it. Check out what's going on at these stores. Michigan is forcing Walmart, Costco and Target and others to shut down parts of their stores and stop selling non-essential items. I saw a viral post. It was a seed rack, seeds for growing vegetables. And it said, you can't buy it, non-essential items. You can't grow your own food. I don't know what they're saying necessarily here, but what's, who is to determine what's essential and what isn't? What if I need a shovel? You're going to tell me I can't buy a shovel? What's non-essential? What if we need entertainment? What if we're getting stir crazy? Cabin fever. The kids need a board game. Is board game not essential? Who are you to decide? Why are we sitting back and allowing these governors and politicians to enact a law by decree? Why are we going to sit back and let cops enforce laws that don't exist arbitrarily? Take a look at this. Gretchen Whitmer issued a new stay at home order on Thursday that bars large stores like Walmart, Costco and Target from selling non-essential items such as plants, furniture, paint and more. If you're not buying food or medicine or other essential items, you should not be going to the store with the order. Michigan joins Vermont and a number of local governments that have taken similar measures, prompting stores to rope off aisles and bar certain purchases. Are you all insane? Who cares if someone's going to buy a birthday card? That's the first thing they did. They said, you'll still be able to go outside, 
go exercise. And I'm already reading stories about people going for a walk and the cops being like, hey, go home. People in South Jersey being arrested. This stuff is sweeping the country and we cannot tolerate it. You want to tell us to stay home? I'm cool with that. Nope, no beef. We're going to take, we're going to do right by the rest, you know, our community. We're going to do right to make sure we beat this thing. You want to start telling people they can't buy something when they're at the store? That makes literally no sense. You want to rip people off a bus? That makes no sense. Ron Paul had some choice words. Ron Paul claims Dr. Fauci wants total control of the public, pushing outlandish coronavirus conspiracy as officials receive death threats. I certainly don't think Fauci is a megalomaniac who wants total control. I think he's a doctor and he's telling us what he thinks. So Ron Paul maybe goes a little over the top. I like Ron Paul. I like Rand Paul. I like people who like freedom. All right. I don't agree with them. I think he's a little over the top here. They say Ron Paul, the physician and former Texas congressman who launched two unsuccessful Republican presidential campaigns, has pushed unfounded conspiracy theories about the novel coronavirus, as well as leading experts. Dr. Fauci of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, yada, yada. We get it. Ron Paul went on to suggest the coronavirus pandemic was an excuse to have total control over the people while calling on Donald Trump to fire Fauci from the head of the U.S. Institute and White House Task Force. As this one goes away, they'll come up with another one, the former congressman said about the novel virus. It's an excuse to have total control over the people. People have to quit listening to Dr. Fauci, he continued. I don't agree with that at all. All right. I, I, I like Ron Paul for being a freedom-minded guy. Dr. Fauci is not the problem. The problem is we are seeing arbitrary enforcement over zealous politicians. Now, there's a big challenge right now. Do you listen? Do you resist? What's the right thing to do? I don't know. I'm not here to tell you what your morals should be. I'll tell you this, though. I'm absolutely okay staying home. I'm not going to I'm not going to the store anyway, so I'm not going to end up buying a birthday card or a can of paint, even 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 though, you know, they're roping it off. But I got to say it's it's getting increasingly worrying and there will be a line. We'll see what happens. You can't just keep doing this. You can't tell people they need to get an antibody test and then carry around immunity cards. We are seeing such a rapid lurch towards authoritarianism. And the funny thing is, it's the left wing sites that are defending it. It's the independent calling Ron Paul a crazy conspiracy theorist defending these these policies. And, you know, look, I'm in the middle. I don't think it's Fauci's fault that he's going to come out and he's going to tell us that, you know, we've got serious problems. But where are people to call out what's going on in Philly? What about, I, I, I think it's fair to point out everyone kind of collectively freaked out when that paddleboarder got arrested. But this right here, immunity cards, is quite possibly the most nightmarish thing I've seen yet from Politico. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director, we know, we, we know he is. He said they're considering issuing Americans certificates of immunity from the coronavirus as the Trump administration works to better identify those who have been infected and restart the U.S. economy in the coming weeks. You know that's possible, he told CNN's New Day when asked whether he could imagine a time when people across the country carry such forms of identification. How insane. I mean, it's one of those things that we talk about when we want to make sure that we know who the vulnerable people, vulnerable, vulnerable people are and, not, and are not. He said, this is something that's being discussed. I think it might actually have some merit under certain circumstances. The proposal is contingent upon the widespread deployment of antibody tests, which the National Institutes of Health and the Food and Drug Administration are in the process of validating in the U.S., Fauci said. Within a period of a week or so, we're going to have a rather large number of tests that are, av- that are available. The development of a comprehensive antibody testing system represents the next phase of the administration's efforts to reopen the country 
and begin reintegrating essential workers, such as healthcare providers and first responders back into society. Although coronavirus testing thus far has been able to determine if an individual has an active infection, antibody tests report whether an asymptomatic person was previously infected, but has since recovered, potentially allowing them to return to their jobs. I already see my friends carrying documents, carrying IDs, essential worker, I should be allowed to work. It's already worrying enough. I don't care if there's a pandemic. I don't care what your reason is. Our civil rights are our civil rights, and they're in the Constitution, America number one, right? Well, what about this? How far is too far? I don't know. I'll tell you what, though, we're getting dangerously close because sooner or later, YouTube will delete my channel for even talking about this. I'm sure they want me to say straight up, always just do whatever you're told, no matter what. Mm -mm, Not going to fly. The Constitution is the law of this land, and it's already been infringed upon in many ways, especially right now. While I can respect and abide by the rules being put in place to keep us all safe, having mandating people take tests, medical evaluations to give them certificates to reenter society, man, that's a step too far. Trying to enforce rules and laws that were never passed is a violation of our entire legal system. You cannot just arbitrarily decree that people must wear masks and then drag them off of buses or arrest them in parks, but they're doing it. How do you stop them from breaking the law? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I'm sure YouTube will get mad at me for the things I'm saying, but let me just make one thing clear. It was the police officers who broke the law by dragging that man out of the bus. It would be Fauci. It would be these other governors who are breaking the law, not the American people who are minding their own business and buying the things they want and need. It's not up for you to decide. If you try and get in the way of constitutional rights, it is you breaking the law. So I certainly think the American people must always follow the law, the principal law of this country, the Constitution. And there are limits within that based on the Supreme Court. They're, they're in, in what capacity do these cops have the right to start dragging people off buses? As far as I'm concerned, with no statute being broken, with the official you know, statement that you don't have to wear a mask, it's just two individuals assaulting a man. Will something be done about it? I have no idea. Now, of course, we're going to see the media praise all of this stuff. I don't know what you can expect. Asked Thursday about various methods of monitoring Americans who have come into contact with those who are infected. Dr. Robert Redfield, director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, said people are looking at all the different modern technology that could be brought to bear to make contact tracing more efficient and effective. Are there more if you are there more, if you will, say tech savvy ways to be more comprehensive in contact tracing versus the old fashioned way? You know, currently these things are under invest uh, under aggressive evaluation. Here's my prediction. We're dangerously close to them saying we must have the right to track you at all times like they're doing in China. We're going to issue you a card and a code. If you leave this area, then you can't come back. They're actually saying in China, if you leave this area, your code is void because now you could be infected. I don't I'm not, I wouldn't go as far as Ron Paul to say that they're trying to use this. You know, this isn't their, their excuses to take everything. I think dominoes fall over. I think power corrupts. Power tends to corrupt and absolute power tends to corrupt. Absolutely. We're dealing with a real crisis. We need to take we need to take responsibility and do the right thing. And we have all of these individuals who think they have a right to do. I'll just do this one thing. I, I, I think people shouldn't be allowed to be on a bus. You add them all together, you get an authoritarian state and you don't want to live in that. Trust me. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. In an amazing victory for feminism, because feminism is the equality between the, the genders, right? 
Adele's ex-husband will receive $140 million. So it is being rumored. I don't know how, what the veracity of these reports are. But the reason I say it's a victory for feminism, like I stated, it's, it's listen, you know, you ask any one of these feminists and they'll say it's all about equality, the equality between men and women, males and females, the sexes, the genders, whatever you want to call it. Unfortunately for feminists, it's not actually what they want. And so they're extremely angry when it turns out that extremely wealthy pop star singer Adele will have to fork over a large portion of her net worth to her ex-husband in a divorce settlement. That's equality. It's what you campaigned for. Congratulations, you've won. Stop being angry about it. In, uh, from Flair, they write, Adele's rumored divorce settlement is not equality at work. Sorry, it is. This isn't what women meant when they demanded gender parity. It didn't mean that we would have to be subject to the same rules and laws that you would. Oh, I thought you were talking about equality. <laughs> That's right. You're admitting it now. You want superiority. You want the men to have to pay you when you get a divorce, even if you're the breadwinner. That's not equality. That's you just being a privileged, whiny little brat. Let's read from Flair.com. It's rarely a great day to be on the internet if you're a woman, they write. But right now is an especially bad time to be a lady online, because it turns out that in a global pandemic, not only are people spending more time on the garbage fire that is Twitter, I agree with that, but some of their opinions are getting increasingly more problematic. Aw, poor babies. On April 6, an LA court granted singer Adele's request to keep the details of her, ex- of, of her divorce from ex-husband Simon Konecki sealed. The British songstress and her former boo were married for two years before splitting in April 2019. The couple share a seven-year-old son named Angelo. While the actual facts of her divorce are to remain private, rumors started swirling almost immediately that, that the singer has been ordered to pay her ex $140 million of her reported $190 million net worth. Now, there's a reason for this. It's because my understanding is that in California, a husband is entitled to half of what they earn of their net worth while they're married. So her net worth jumped you know, a substantial amount while they were married. And I don't know what she spent or where she allocated it or what went down, but that's what she earned. So he gets a massive cut. They write, it's important to emphasize that none of this has been confirmed. And with all of the speculation around the terms of their separation, people might potentially be misinterpreting the fact that $140 million is the sum they're splitting in the divorce, not what Konecki is entitled to individually. Also, juries out over the sum is $140 million or 140 million pounds. Interesting. But either way, if there's any truth to these rumors, these February photos of Adele make a lot of sense. And here you can see someone tweeted, Adele has to give her husband 140 million pounds. And you can see that she's freaking out in these photos. So depending on where people live, they're putting their monetary symbol in front. I think it's probably dollars, but we'll see. Because it's California law. They say, regardless of whether or not this exact number is what Konecki would receive, In California, where Adele officially filed for divorce, spouses are entitled to half of their partner's income and assets during the period they were married, according to an April 2019 article by Cosmopolitan. In one year alone, Adele's net worth jumped from 69 million to 182 million per NME. She took home 55 million from the tour alone. So our girl Adele has earned some loot, and it would be nice if she could keep it or at least not be forced to give more than half of it to her ex-husband. Man, you replace the man with the woman, and it sounds like any argument, you know, in the past, anti-feminist, whatever. Now, for the most part today, it seems like the anti-feminists are actually more egalitarian. They, they, they would disagree with her only insofar as that she's saying Adele should get to walk away with all this money. Most anti-feminists I know, 
egalitarians would say they should split it. Yeah, maybe she, maybe get a prenup next time. They write, but to be honest, regardless of the details of Adele's divorce settlement, the most egregious part of this whole debacle has been the online response. Some men online are pretty stoked at the prospect of Adele handing $140 million to Konecki, tweeting that Konecki deserves a large amount of money. And even more specifically, a whole lot of them are seemingly perplexed, arguing that isn't this equality, even when it comes to divorce settlements, what women and specifically spooky feminists wanted? It is. What do you mean? What are you talking about? You, you wanted equality? Congratulations. When Katy Perry divorced that one guy, Richard Russell Brand, that was his name. He apparently turned down all that money because he didn't really need it or want it, but he was entitled to it. Yeah, that's what they want. They want to walk away with all of the marbles. They don't actually have to split it. That would be equality. Someone tweeted, this guy, local champion says, when men suffer this, uh, uh, this, when, when men suffer this, everybody will keep quiet. Now Adele has to pay 140 million to her ex-husband and feminists want to talk. Yes, dear feminists, this is what real equality, equality looks like. It's not all rainbow and unicorns. Deal with it. I like this guy. You know why? I like the rainbow and unicorns thing. That's what I always say. I appreciate it. She, she goes on to write, and sorry, gents, the answer is no. And for several reasons. Firstly, a lot of people online are making comparisons between Adele's situation and Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bezos gave his wife $30 billion. What does that have to do with splitting the bill? Well, this is a hefty amount of money. And at least on the surface makes comparisons to Adele's situation. It's important to note that Bezos still retains a 12% stake, $114 billion in it, what? In Amazon? Who cares? He's legit the wealthiest person in the world. $38 billion is a drop in the bucket for Bezos. Uh, Adele get, keeping $50 million still makes her one of the wealthiest people on the planet, <laughs> well above the top 1%. She writes, but perhaps what sets Adele and Bezos situations apart most that, uh, is that Mackenzie, who was married to Bezos for, the, for more than 25 years, played an early and integral role in Amazon's growth of the company. So what? That's not how the law works. California, apparently it's, they were married, got to split it up. This person tweeted, mother effing feminists are angry because Adele will be paying her ex 140 mil, but they didn't make a sound when Bezos paid his ex 30 bill. During Tiger Woods saga too, they were mute. There you go. She writes, plus, if we're talking about equality, what about the fact that in Canada, women still earn only 75 cents for every dollar earned by a man? The numbers are even more ghastly for indigenous women, women of color and transgender women, as well as women who are new to Canada. And what does that have to do with the individual settlement under the letter of the law that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman? You know, these are the rules that you asked for. The, the, the civil rights law in the United States, at least I think you're Canadian. In the US, it says, There will be no distinction based on gender. In fact, they want to pass the Equal Rights Amendment, which would remove instances of gender from the law. I don't know what their plan is, but what that means, it means that when it comes to divorce, you can't say men get X and women get X. You'll have to say the the, the net worth of the couple will be divided equally among the couple. End of story. And what about like same sex marriage? You know, are you going to be like, there's two wives, therefore they both get less? It It makes no sense. Sorry. The law doesn't work that way. The law is going to say you're entitled to this. It's what you get. She writes, not to mention that a lot of these were also, what does the, 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 the pay gap have to do with anything? Like, you, you, you know what? She writes, not to mention that a lot of these responses seem to just be for the sake of getting back at women. It feels like a lot of folks on Twitter want Adele's husband to take her for all she's got because typically men have been the ones in Adele's shoes. So what? Of course. Sounds like these men are good feminists who want gender equality. 
She should pay up all she's got. She should give up her money and have to pay alimony after the fact and child support. Uh, She writes, women have historically been the financially weaker party, right? And now that they're not, they get equality. Congratulations is what you fought for. This one tweeted, let me stream some Adele's uh, Adele so my so my king gets more money. There you go. Seems kind of counterproductive, she writes. Also, to be quite honest, don't you think women have already had to put up with enough S as an entire gender? Ah, and there it is. You don't care about the individuals. You don't care about civil liberties and individual rights. You just feel slighted as a woman. I don't care what other women put up with. Serena Williams is worth like tens of millions of dollars. Am I going to go and cry because she has to put up with the waiter spilling the, the, the Perrier when he's pouring her glass? Yeah, they put up with a lot of stuff. No, I don't care. They're rich people. You want to talk to me about poor people? We can have a conversation. You want to make some stupid argument about the fact that she's this poor woman who's losing $140 million, but keeping 50, cry me a river. I don't care. While I certainly respect an individual's right to make money, you can't complain. No, no, no. Let's stop for a second. I certainly think even if you're married, this amount of money, man or woman, is ridiculous. So no, I don't agree with it on principle. My argument right now is with this woman who seems to think that women should get a free pass. You shouldn't. Equality means equality. If a guy's got to pay, a woman's got to pay, it shouldn't matter. Now we can talk about divorce courts and laws and finance. And yeah, we can point out a lot of the stuff makes very little sense. Does this guy deserve $140 million or whatever simply because he was married to this woman for two years? No, he doesn't. And if she gave him $10 million, he'd be set for life. He could live comfortably and never have to work again if he got it properly managed. So does he deserve 10 times that? I really don't see it. But I'll tell you what, these are the rules you asked for. You've earned them. Congratulations. This is what you get to look forward to now in the future. If you don't like the rules, you can easily argue for the inverse. It's like what we see with the draft. Every time some politician steps up and says it's time for women to be drafted, you see so many feminists on Twitter be like, no, 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 uh, I'm not a feminist. Oops, oh, don't mind me. Yeah, if you really want equality, it means the bad comes with the good. But what we really get is a bunch of women who want the corner office on the top floor with air conditioning, and they don't want to work in the mailroom or they don't want to work in the sewer. You get women who want to earn all the sweet, sweet loot from the business and they don't want to have to split it with their spouse if they get a divorce. Men have been dealing with that forever. Now you get to deal with it too. You've earned it. That's equality. Of course, if you don't really believe in equality, you can just admit it. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. It was just a couple of days ago. I could swear as the news broke, I heard shrieking across the land as people collectively shaved their heads and reached out their, uh, opened their windows, stuck their head out and screamed a thousand screams like they were being burned by the fire of a thousand suns because Bernard Sanders had dropped out of the presidential race and then kind of endorsed Joe Biden. Well, now we have this story. Devastated Bernie supporters melt down on Twitter after he drops out. Please check on them. I want to make sure I clarify, these are not the same people, but some people are trying to insinuate it is. This is the really, really cringy woman who did the OK Boomer thing. And then all of these thirsty, like beta male feminists started following her until she mentioned she had a boyfriend. And then all of a sudden they got really angry and started yelling at her. Man, we've done a bunch of segments over on the Teamcast IRL podcast about what makes a real man. And I'll tell you what, male feminists 
are not real men. I'm somewhat kidding. I don't know what a real man is. But listen, if you're going to follow this woman and like and, and screech and, and cry and, and, you know, for her because you want her and do whatever she says. And then when you find out she's got a boyfriend, you get all angry. She apparently had 100,000 followers, announced she had a boyfriend and then lost all of her followers. I don't know if that's true. That's like a rumor on the Internet. But whatever. The point is, these Bernie people are seriously losing their minds. Not all of them. There have been a bunch of graceful uh, uh, people tweeting like, you did a good, you had a good run, Bernie. Appreciate your support. We look forward to, you know, what, what you do in the future and blah, blah, blah. But for now, we have some people who are absolutely freaking out. Well, it's only a couple. The other, the other big news here is the other result of the Bernie Sanders dropout. Check this out. Wall Street stocks rose because Bernie Sanders suspended his presidential campaign. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, to be honest, stocks love certainty. And now that Bernie was out, we know what's going to happen. We can make better predictions. People are going to invest. Pluralist writes, in the wake of Bernie Sanders' announcement that he suspended his 2020 campaign, the Vermont senator's most ardent supporters poured out their emotions on social media. Sanders, the frontrunner in February, acknowledged on Wednesday he, is no, he, he no longer had a viable path toward the Democratic nomination after a string of nominating contest losses to Joe Biden, but promised to work with the former vice president to oust President Donald Trump. Then together, standing united, we will go forward to defeat Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history, he said in a live stream. The 78-year-old senator whose progressive agenda pulled the party sharply to the left had early success in the Democratic race before losing in South Carolina. With their dreams of seeing Sanders in the White House shattered, some of the Democratic Socialists' most passionate followers on Wednesday vowed not to rally behind the presumptive nominee, and even more took to Twitter to vent their feelings of betrayal, anguish, and confusion. I would like to play for you this video. I'm concerned it will hurt your ears, though. I'm going to give you a warning right now to turn the volume down just a little bit, because I'm going to play this clip. Assuming the audio plays properly, you will thank me for the warning. Here it comes. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> there you go. Did it stop? Oh, that's it. Thank you. 614,000 views. Is this performance art? I hope it's fake. I, you know, look, I'm not going to, you know, contact these people and ask them if they were legitimately putting on Bernie shirts and just screaming at the camera. But that's exactly what we're seeing. The tweet says these Bernie supporters are going through a difficult time. Please check on them. Make sure they're okay. Remember the woman when Donald Trump won, she fell to her knees and she's like, nah. Oh yeah, we're getting more of that. Pro-life advocate and artist Camelia Alexian even argued sympathy towards supporters going through a difficult time. Prominent Sanders supporters in the media, including radical leftist activist Linda Sarsour and controversial feminist journalist Talia Lavin, said they were heartbroken by the news. Ben Shapiro tweeting this right into my veins. Talia Lavin tweeting heartbroken. Linda Sarsour said, I'm heartbroken, but I also know we have an election to win in November. Donald Trump, Donald Trump must be defeated. People are counting on us. Bernie Sanders will always be my political hero. He changed the narrative, reminded us we are worthy and there's no going back from here. Edo says, feels new and strange to cry because of a politician. That's a new feeling. Okay, actually, let me stop. Talia and Linda Sarsour had respectable responses. Like, I, 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 I agree. I mean, if you were heartbroken because someone you really wanted to win didn't win, that's a fair thing to say. It's irrational. If you say, I'm heartbroken, but we must pull forward, I'd also respect that. It's a calm and rational thing to do. But this dude, dude, Ito, are you crying because Bernie lost? Man, I feel like some of these people just need to go like do some manual labor for a little bit. I wonder if they've ever lifted a heavy object in their life. 
I don't understand how you can cry over someone you don't know, you barely know anything about losing a political race. What do you think is going to happen? Like Bernie Sanders gets elected and then all of a sudden a, a clouds part and light shines down. Rivers are, 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 are split down the middle, revealing an ancient path to a utopian society or the, an ancient text that's going to reveal the path towards your, your socialist paradise. What did you think was going to happen? Bernie would get elected. And if he did, then he'd immediately start changing his policies like all presidents do. He, he's the president. He's not Congress. So he's not going to pass hard laws. What would happen is Bernie would get elected and, and then go, I'm going to uh, put a moratorium on enforcing pot laws or something. So if you want to cry because now you're not going to be able to smoke pot in your state, which hasn't legalized it, I guess that makes sense. But what else do you think Bernie was going to do? Bernie would get an office and be like, I'm calling on Congress to pass health care reform. And then they don't. None of these people have any idea how politics actually works. That's the thing. They think Donald Trump has like a switch and he's like, I'll make the government do this flick. I'll pass this law flick. No, it's, it's not. Trump wants them to pass that small business loan expansion. The Democrats said, no, Trump can't do anything about it. That's how the government works. So I don't know what they expect. You know, I don't know why they care so much about this. I think it's important when you get your politician, your president to win. I get it. They have an agenda. They have an administration. They control the executive branch and the armed forces. A lot of reasons to support specific candidates. Me, I think military service is the most important for the commander in chief. But what did you think Bernie was going to do? Emily Ratajkowski, who is most famous for getting naked on Instagram, tweets, I feel so hopeless and devastated and powerless. You know, I got I got no beef. I don't know a lot about her, but I will tell you, like, it's weird to see her propped up as some kind of prominent voice when for the most part, all she does whenever something happens is get naked. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, like, she'll go on Instagram. It's like Bernie lost. She'll get naked and like be like, Bernie lost. Here's what I'm doing. Something happens like here's my here's a picture of me naked to help all of the people. It's like, I get it. You know, you, you, you're a woman and you got like, I don't I don't know what else she's supposedly doing, but you know, whatever. We saw this. I commented on this the other day. Brianna Joy Grace is on the plus side. I can drop the Democratic from my tweets about why socialism is good. Yes. And here's what I pointed out. The word that the qualifier that explains how you don't want to force people into gulags, you know, and to take away their rights. You decide to remove that word. Right. Now, I got, I got to unfortunately debunk this one. Here's a tweet. that says Bernie dropped out. Huh? Hmm. <laughs> huh? What WTF are we going to do now? The only two options left is racist and rapist WTF. I don't know who she's referring to. <laughs> both of them. Look, is the criticism of both Trump and Biden. I have no idea. But this is a video of this woman. And again, your ears. It got 23 million views. She is stomping on her memory foam mattress while crying and yelling. I think this is performance art. I don't know what this is. I tried to find where it, where it came from. I don't know. But I kind of feel like this is a woman is joking. Now, here's the thing. This is not a new video. So I got to debunk this one. This is not a woman crying about Bernie Sanders because this video actually goes back. I found a video, a clip on Twitter from the 22nd of March. So well before Bernie Sanders actually dropped out. I don't know what she's actually complaining about. I tried looking up. I didn't find it. Maybe you know. But let me tell you what real people are doing. While many of these Bernie supporters are crying and screaming, in the real world, people are cheering and clapping because their stocks are going up. Wall Street stocks rose because Bernie Sanders suspended his campaign. United Health Group, Anaheim and Cigna jumped between four and seven percent. And the healthcare index provided one of the biggest boosts among the 11 major S&P 500 sectors. This is because Bernie Sanders is for you know, Medicare for all. He wants to abolish private health care. If Bernie gets elected, that's his main agenda item. He can't just snap his fingers and do it, but he can push that through with his supporters and the agenda and being the leader of the Democratic Party. Now that he's out, 
people feel confident you can invest in these medical companies or, or healthcare companies. They say the news added to early gains after President Trump said the United States might be getting to the top of the curve in relation to the outbreak, even as New York and several other states posted their highest number of daily virus-related fatalities. You got a lot of good news. The market has been doing a lot better. We got a lot of bad news. We got mass graves in New York. We got massive unemployment filing, 16.6 million. But for those that do not like Bernie Sanders, it's been good news that he dropped out. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's good news for Biden, but it's bad news for the Democrats. I don't think Bernie could win. I think he may have won in 2016 because they had a, they had a, a lot of support for him and Hillary Clinton was just so awful. But what people don't realize, and especially those that are Trump supporters, is that to a lot of Americans, Trump is awful as well. And I'm not just talking about the resistance, do nothing Democrat types in the far left. I'm talking about regular Americans who just think Trump is gross and incompetent. They exist. Trump has been winning them over with his coronavirus efforts. Not all of them, but many of them. So his approval ratings have been going up. This is great news. Bernie couldn't win. People thought he was going to run again. He was going to win. He couldn't do it. Stocks are improving, particularly off the news that Bernie is out. And the rest of you can gloat in, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to say, like Ben Shapiro said, right into his veins. You can gloat because people's preferred candidate lost. Now, look, man, if somebody comes out and gracefully accepts defeat, Bernie Sanders did, whatever, man, I'm over it. To all the Bernie Sanders supporters, you know, uh, sorry that your candidate didn't win. I think, you know, he, he, he put up a good fight. I disagree with him. I respect his ability to articulate his ideas as much as I don't think they're, they're good ideas. And I respect a lot of the Bernie Sanders supporters, higher profile progressives who have put forth their arguments, much to the annoyance of everyone else. So look, I put my, my arguments forward. They probably get annoyed with me, but I, but I respect the fight. I respect the, the, what, what they went through. And I think we can all sit down and agree now. We don't need to mock and belittle those who are screeching on camera, though. I mean, I think even Bernie Sanders supporters, the legit ones, can point out why that's nuts. How about we all come together right now and point out why Joe Biden is the worst possible thing we've ever seen? You can you can complain about Trump being the bad man. Fine. Bernie Sanders said it. But Bernie, you really think Joe Biden is a good idea? You're lying, dude. No, no honest person thinks Biden's a good idea. Bernie Sanders supporters don't think Biden's a good idea. Bernie Sanders supporters are tweeting, don't vote for either of them. So come on, can we at least just admit while the orange man may be bad, Joe Biden is completely non-viable? You want to complain about Trump's attitude? Yes, please go ahead. But can we talk about Joe Biden just not being capable? At least Trump speaks English. I said the same thing about Bernie Sanders. The Democrats went nuts on this one. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Adios.